You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hi, my name is Jay Ferber, and you're listening to the Epic Marvel Podcast. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Epic Marvel Podcast. I am your host, Curtis Findlay, and this is the second episode in our series of interviews about Generation X. This 2019 is the 25th anniversary of Generation X, and so I'm celebrating by providing a whole bunch of interviews. They will appear on the 25th of each month, leading up to uh, hopefully to the end of the year, depending on how many interviews I can schedule. And uh, this one is with writer Jay Ferber, who took over after Larry Hama and did the book from issue number 48 to 62, plus annual 1999. And we have a lot to talk about. And uh, you may know Jay from some of his other books, especially over at Image Comics. Uh, He's done a lot of work for them. I I am a fan of one called Copperhead. He works a lot in TV now, and I just saw on Twitter that he announced he's going to be part of the writing team on Supergirl for season five. So that's very exciting. Way to go, Jay. Now, one of the things that Jay mentions in the interview is the Generation X pitch, the the document that he made uh, in order to convince the editors that he was the right guy for the job. And he couldn't remember a whole lot that was on the pitch, but after our interview was finished, he was kind enough to email me saying that he scoured his hard drive for a copy of the pitch and he found it. And he he sent me the PDF and it's great. There's lots of interesting things. If you know these stories that he wrote, you can see how some of them changed and evolved, how some of them were dropped completely, which ones he used and which ones he didn't. There's also a new character that he had hoped to introduce that never made it into the book. So you can check out that on my website. He gave me permission to share that with all of you. So if you head over to epicmarvelpodcast.com and search for this episode, uh, there's an index at the top if you if this if you're listening to this in the far future and uh, you don't want to scroll through all of my my pages there find this interview and and check out this pitch you'll see the link there just before we go on to the interview i want to mention patreon if you are not yet a supporter i would appreciate you throwing a couple of bucks our way to keep our podcast going this is not just our podcast but every podcast in the thunder quack podcast network um we you know it costs money to run these things so we appreciate a couple of bucks sent our way if you pledge five bucks a month you'll get some exclusive interviews such as the interview i did recently with roy thomas about the early days of the x-men in the 60s very cool interview lots of uh, neat tidbits there so Uh, Keep your eye open for more exclusive interviews. You'll get the notices and announcements on the Facebook page or on Twitter or Instagram. All of those places were there. You can also search for the Epic Collection group that I started on Facebook and become part of the discussion there. Okay, let's get going on to this interview with Jay Ferber. Can you tell me about 
what it took to get you to writing Generation X? Uh, yeah, it, it didn't take much. Um, I was very new to the industry. I had, uh, I think at the time, I had written an issue of What If, which was my first professional comic book gig. And the editor on What If was a guy named Frank Pitterisi, who then was editing Generation X and a few other titles and was looking to make a change on Generation X and asked me, or I, I guess I'm going to take that back. I think I wrote an inventory story or a fill-in issue of Generation X. Uh, and then I think as I wrote that, or maybe right after I wrote that, Frank asked me if I would like to pitch to take over the series. So then I put together a, a pitch document, uh, kind of what I would do with the book, and submitted it to Frank. And, you know, he liked it and ran it up the uh, up the ladder to his boss and uh in in a pretty short amount of time i was the new generation x writer wow and so you said you wrote an inventory that was generation x number 45 yes then larry hama kind of wrapped up two things in two final issues and then you came on board so that whole process was like really really fast it seems uh, from what i remember i i may have had the book before I wrote the fill-in issue, but I don't think so. I think I wrote the fill-in around the time I was writing it, or maybe right after I wrote it, wow. when Frank asked me to pitch to take over the book. I, I think, but it's been a long time. I know it's been a long time, but can you tell me about your pitch? Do you remember anything about that? Uh, the process of creating the pitch and then the process of actually pitching it? I don't remember much. Oh, I, I, I do know that I believe Frank had the idea or, or somebody within Marvel, it didn't come from me, to open the school up to human students, which is what we ended up doing in my run. Right. But it wasn't an idea that, that originated with me. It was, it was something that I incorporated into the pitch. I, I think it was phrased as like, this is what we want to do. Pitch to me, you know, what your version of this would look like. And so I, I wrote up a document and, you know, I just sent it in and, you know, just waited uh, for them to make a decision. It was, it was between me and I think two other writers that they had also asked to submit pitches. But in terms of details of what was in the pitch, I honestly don't remember. Okay. Yeah, I guess this was just a, a, a tiny little portion of your now established career. So I don't expect you to uh, <laughs> to hold on to a lot of those things. It's kind of like... Uh, you know, you, you do it, and then you move on to the next thing, right? Yeah, and it was just, it was so long ago. And, and the, other, the other thing that is, I guess, sort of relevant here is that I was not a fan of the book. Uh, I didn't dislike <laughs> okay. it. I yeah. had just never read it. It, it. it wasn't really something that I paid much attention to. So, you know, during the process of writing the fill-in and, and uh, pitching for the book, you know, I gathered as many back issues as I could. And, you know, this was before comicsology or anything so i had to just literally go to the comic shop and you know amass my my reference material <laughs> right. uh, so it gave me some distance i think you know I, I wasn't afraid to make choices with the characters and and do things with them only because i didn't have that kind of fanboy appreciation for it which right. was completely different when i took on you know, new warriors or the titans two books that i was a huge fan of so with, I became a fan of Generation X and in the, with, throughout the process, but I didn't come to it with that kind of deep-seated uh, affection for it. And f I'm sure Frank would help you along with that process as well of learning the history and that kind of thing? Yeah, totally, totally. He would answer questions I had and, and you know, 
would, of course, rein me in if, if I was getting a character's voice wrong or contradicting something that had been established, that kind of thing. Uh, you came on right as the book was hitting its 50th issue. Was the idea to do a crossover with X-Men uh, something that you wanted to do or something that was kind of pre-existing before you came on? No, that was something, I don't know if it was pre-existing before I came on, but it, it was something that was not my idea, that it was it was something from editorial, that they that that's one of the things they wanted to do to, you know, to, to help celebrate the, the 50th issue. And did you collaborate closely with the writer on the other book? I forgot to look up who was writing X-Men at the time. Yeah, I did not. I honestly, I, I'm going to say this so often in this interview, I feel sorry. Uh, <laughs> That's I feel okay. Uh, I, I don't remember. <laughs> I, I have, I probably got the script or the plot or something to the book uh, and just kind of went off that and let Frank sort of spearhead any, uh, you know, the, the real collaboration kind of went through Frank. So I, I honestly don't recall even having a single conversation. And like you, I can't even remember who was writing <laughs> the right. at that point. Just looked up. It was uh, Terry Kavanaugh. Oh, you know, I was going to say that. I should have said that and I would have sounded smart. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Tell me about the new costumes that you introduced during your run. Who, who, was, uh, who wanted new costumes? I, I think Frank and I were both on the same page that that was something that we wanted to do and, and just to kind of help rebrand the book and, and give, uh, you know, the kids their own identities. And, and we also uh, like the idea of them having kind of secret identities again, which, which they had for a long time, uh, if ever. So that was a lot of fun to, to be on the ground floor for that. And do you remember who designed the costumes? Boy, I do not. I don't know if it was Terry Dodson it was probably Terry. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do know that I, I believe that Greg Schiegel, who I believe drew issue 51, yep. I think he may have been the first person to actually draw the kids in their costumes. Yes. But I don't, I don't think he designed them. Okay. And he was, Greg's a good friend of mine. He was the artist on that issue of What If that I wrote. So it was fun getting to work with him together uh, again. He was the first artist I ever worked with. Uh, and, and Frank... Uh, was buddies with him as well. So that, that's kind of how he got that feeling issue on issue 51. Right. Okay, let's see if I, I'm going to test your memory here. Do you remember the character Gaia? Yes, pink hair. Yes, right? that's right, pink hair. You wrote her out of the story pretty quick uh, into your run. It was only like, you know, five or six issues after you had started. Were you just not, right. a, didn't know what to do with that character or was that an editorial man- mandate? Uh, no, I think... I, I honestly don't remember whose idea it was, whether it was me or Frank, but I think we were in agreement that, uh, you know, all due respect to Larry Hama, uh, neither of us were really fond of that character and didn't have any strong thoughts on what to do with her. So, you know, we just decided to write her out and that would leave a little more room for the other kids and for any new characters that we wanted to introduce along the way. Right. Uh, one of the new characters you introduced was Tristan, a uh, young boy who mm-hmm. uh, Husks started dating, and you tied his story into um, a very significant part of Jubilee's backstory, something that hadn't really been discussed before, namely the uh, kind of finding out the, the backstory of her parents' disappearance. I thought that was really interesting. Right, that's right. Yeah, and so can you tell me a little bit about that? Gosh, <laughs> <laughs> I was just remembering it as you as you brought it up. I don't know. I, I just know that I wanted Tristan in there to to be a love interest, and I like the idea of of kind of a good kid with uh, coming from a bad family. Mm-hmm. I don't recall whose idea it was to tie his 
backstory or his family in with Jubilee's parents. Yeah, I don't remember if that was me or Frank or, or a combination of, of the two. Right, yeah. I'm not sure if uh, if that, because um, it, was, it was Tristan's dad, and I don't know if that has had any follow-up ever since your run or anything, but that's a pretty significant part of Jubilee's uh, backstory now. Um, so that's that's I feel yeah. like that's a good contribution to that character, to Jubilee's character. Cool, thank you. For the fifth anniversary special, number 57, you split Penance and the twins, um, the M-twins. They were mm-hmm. sharing the body and you split them apart. Right. Those characters mixing and matching has been an ongoing thing throughout Generation X. So is was that part of... <laughs> <laughs> it's a very convoluted story. Was, was that part yeah. of your pitch to do, do something uh, with that? I don't know if it was part of my original pitch, but I, I know that we that it was something Frank and I both wanted to try to untangle was the whole penance M relationship and, and uh, just how that whole thing worked. But yeah, I don't remember whose idea it was. And and we weren't entirely successful. It, it remained kind of confusing and convoluted. <laughs> and I ran into the same thing when I went to work at DC and, and tried to straighten out Donna Troy, who had a similar kind of confusing backstory. Right. And it, it's tough to, to streamline those things. <laughs> yeah. But I liked how you kind of reconciled all of the the characters, including Emplate, with with their father and that kind of thing too. So I felt like it was a good, mm. uh, I guess it wasn't really a conclusion, but it was a good, I don't know, stepping stone in their family history. It was kind sure, of nice. sure. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, another person with a convoluted history was Mondo. You went way back to the beginning of Generation X to uh, bring his story kind of full circle. Do you remember Mondo? Right, that's and right. Bla- and, and Black Tom? I remember Mondo and... and- Yes, and we used him in like an annual or something, right? Is when I brought him back. Wasn't he just in like one one issue of mine? Uh, yeah, it was a it was just a it was a two issue, just a short story. And Mondo and Black Tom oh, okay. come back. Yeah, right. Black Tom had this big speech that went way, way, way back to the early, early days of of Gen X, kind of tying in all of these little threads. I feel like that's something that you like to do is uh, take the pre existing story and either try and fix things or yeah un- untangle untangle little webs that have been kind of been confused over the years i think that's one of the things that's both a blessing and a curse when when doing these kinds of books with characters that have been around a while you know you can either just ignore the stuff that came before or the stuff that you don't like or the stuff that's problematic and move forward or you can try to look back and find ways to kind of clean things up or tie different things together and yeah, I mean, at that point in my life, I, I enjoyed trying to uh, to mine the continuity and, and help it make sense or, or reconcile things. I think, honestly, now, if I were in that position, I would probably just ignore it and move on. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But that's just uh, a, a different temperament these days, I think. Now, you got to relaunch New Warriors as well at this time. Uh, and you already spoke about how much of a fan you were of New Warriors. Uh, was that something you were like, oh, please, please, yeah. can I please do this? Yeah, that was something that I had just sort of, I think I mentioned it in an interview. I had been in an interview about Generation X, and just as one of the kind of last questions, they're like, oh, any other books you love to write? And I said that I would love to, to relaunch The New Warriors, and an assistant editor at Marvel had read it, and I think had been you know, wanting to bring the team back, and he reached out to me and asked if I would like to do that, and uh, it ended up being a little longer of a road uh, just because 
it, there was a big editorial layoff at one point, and, and this editor in particular got let go, and so the book bounced around to a couple of different editorial offices. But yeah, but eventually I, I was able to to relaunch the New Warriors, which was you know I was a huge fan of, of that book, so that was a, a very different feeling than Generation X for me, just in terms of having a huge attachment to the to the characters versus mm-hmm. not. And you did a crossover issue between the two teams. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, thank you. That was something I think that was, I don't know if it was my idea exactly, but I know Bobby Chase, the, the New Warriors editor, I don't know if she suggested it or if I suggested it, but but we agreed it, it would be a good idea and, and would be fun. So yeah, it was a fun little, just a one-issue guest appearance kind of thing, but it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. When did you get the word that Marvel was going to kind of uh, overhaul all of the X books and, to, and do their counter X uh, story? Yeah, I, I don't recall like when I got the word exactly, and it, it was you know it was the first time that I was being let go from a book, so it was you know that was not a great feeling. But at the same time, I forget which issue this happened, but the editor who brought me on to Generation X, Frank Pitarisi, left Marvel, and uh, a guy named Jason Liebig took over the book as the editor, and he and I just weren't on the same wavelength the way Frank and I were. So the book became less fun for me, quite oh. honestly. And, you know, it, it, it just wasn't quite the same thing. So it wasn't like I was having the time of my life and then suddenly they were going to pull the rug out. Right. It was, uh, you know, just sort of not a great experience uh, at that moment anyway. So, uh, you know, I missed the paycheck, but yeah. I, I didn't miss the book. <laughs> it was easy to let go in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. How do you think that your time on Generation X influenced or helped evolve your own style of writing? Uh, I, it was given that it was my first monthly. I think it really helped me to. I had to work within the editorial structure. So I mean, you've heard me say a couple times now about things that weren't my idea, like the X Men crossover was not something I would have wanted to do. But you know, you have to take these kind of edicts from on high and, and find a way to make them work and, and be a team player. Cause that's the name of the game at Marvel and DC. I mean, it, it's only gotten more prevalent uh, these days that so many of the, what happens in comics at Marvel and DC are kind of generated in editorial and, and, you know, the crossovers and all that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. it, w- it was a good kind of training ground for that kind of mentality to just like, look, this is not a, a book where you can just do whatever you want that there's going to be other people that you have to answer to who have their own ideas and, and things that, that they want to see happen with these characters. Uh, and it also just taught me, you know, how to write on a deadline and, and how to set up stories and pay them off a little down the road. And all of those things were just sort of learning on the job because I had never done it before. Wow. What a great opportunity then to be able to get your feet wet with this book. It really was. Uh, tell me a little bit about the Dodsons, uh, working with them. Did you have much interaction with them as you were uh, putting issues together, or was it kind of more like a, you'd send them things and then they'd send you the art back? It, it was, there wasn't a ton of interaction. Uh, there was a little bit. And, and I, I remember I was living in Seattle, and Terry and Rachel lived in Portland. So there was one day when I took the train down and we just had lunch and hung out for the day. And ever since then, if, I mean, I don't do many cons these days, but on the rare occasions, if I'm at a convention and I see that Terry's there, I'll seek him out. We always have a nice chat. He's just such a great guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm a huge fan of their work. But, but from what I recall, 
you know, we were friendly and, and communicative when we needed to be, but it, there wasn't a ton of, of, of interaction with them. Right. Okay. Well, I'd love to give you a chance to promote anything you're currently working on or anything that you would like to mention to our listeners. Sure, yeah. Uh, I don't have anything new on the horizon at the moment. At least nothing I can talk about. But, you know, if, if your listeners are Marvel fans and have no idea who the heck I am, uh, I have a, a pretty big body of work at Image Comics. I have a couple superhero series named Dynamo 5 and Noble Causes. I have a science fiction western called Copperhead. I have a kind of a fantasy adventure called Elsewhere. All of this you can find on, on the Image website. And that's, that's where I've been spending most of my time. I write for television now as well. So that's, I worked on a show called Zoo uh, that's on Netflix right now. That's the zombie animal one? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's based on a James Patterson novel. So it's right. about animals kind of attacking and, and rebelling against humanity. Oh, right. Yeah, uh, we had zombies. three pretty fun seasons. Not, not zombies, but kind of zombies. Yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's a point there kind of. They, they they kind of become kind of these hybrid creatures yeah. in their season. But uh but that's a lot of fun and that I'm spending most of my time in T V these days as opposed to comics. Right. But yeah, if you're I'd, I'd, I'd you know, those image books are always gonna be there. Mm-hmm. You know, they're available on comicsology as well. But yeah, I have no new uh no new books on the horizon I can talk about at the moment. Well, and I'd like to give my personal recommendation for Copperhead. I love that book. I've been reading that one, uh and it's it's excellent. <laughs> uh, thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for joining us for this and, and uh, kind of digging back to the far reaches of your memory to remember these <laughs> these, uh, yeah, these old issues. I, I, uh, I, I wish I was more successful. This is like an interview with an amnesiac. I'm, I'm sorry, but <laughs> I these okay. are, it's literally 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, so it's uh, a lot has happened since then. Here, what, one last question here. What was your favorite part of sure. Generation X? Your, either your favorite issue or favorite just th- thing hmm. about it? Uh I think my favorite thing about it was just those early issues when it was Frank and Terry and Rachel and, you know, the rest of the creative team and myself, we were all kind of on the same page and, you know, introducing the kids and, and Frank and I are both uh, big soap opera nerds. So it was, it was fun for us to just play with the, the soapier aspects of the book, the mm-hmm. interpersonal dynamics between the kids, you know, the subplots. I'm, I'm less interested with, you know, who's punching who, so I, I, I miss that aspect, and that, that's what changed the most when Frank left and, and Jason came aboard. Uh, we just had different sensibilities. Mm-hmm. So, so for me, the highlight was, was those, those early first handful of issues when it was still Frank in charge. Wonderful. Wow, thank you very much, Jay. Yeah, not a problem. Not a problem.